All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 198 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And uh, today, of course, on the eve of the NHL trade deadline, although there's been a lot of trades made, uh, we'll recap all 32 teams, uh, what's up, what potentially is going to happen. Frank, how you doing? I am tired. I am looking forward to Saturday when we get a little rest, but it's been, I, I've, this is, we've never had a deadline like this in NHL history where the actual deadline itself may not be all that interesting because so many teams have done so much of their shopping ahead of time. 21 trades in the last 48 hours leading up to Thursday. I love it. It's great. It's, now it's, it's bananas. You know, it sucks maybe for uh, hosting the, the trade deadline shows, but there's still lots to talk about. There's good, you know, you can oh. analyze lots of the trades and see what happens. And Well, I, you know, I hey. was going to say it, this is our deadline preview show, but it might also be mostly our deadline review show. So before we jump in, I just want to let you know that episode 198 is presented by Athletic Brewing. Just because Dry Jan is in the rearview mirror doesn't mean you can't keep the good times rolling. Join me and enjoy Athletic Brewing's award-winning lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers. Trust me, this is one of the best trades you can make because these brews don't lack anything. And more importantly, they don't come with the hangover. Use promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until February 28th. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all face-offs, fit for all times. 
Now we're going to go through every team and let's start with the team that's been very busy today at the top of the Atlantic division at the top of the NHL standings, the Boston Bruins, two stories and one David Pasternak uh, signing an eight year extension, 11.25 mil Frank. Uh, that's a uh, 90 mil. You'd say you tweeted out that that I think is the sixth or tied for sixth largest uh, contract sum of money anyway, in, in NHL history, that's obviously probably going to get beat in the future, but I like that. I like the AAV for the Boston Bruins. With yeah. David Pasternak, this, that's a no-brainer for me. It seems really reasonable, doesn't it? Like, I know that this extension, has this negotiation was a grind. Uh, I actually checked in again on Pasternak yesterday after the Dylan Larkin deal got done. Uh, just thinking, hey, is there, there any chance they, they get this done and close it out before the deadline? My thought process was they waited to announce this and this, I sort of believe this was done and, and completed two weeks ago or three weeks ago, but they waited to announce until today because the Bruins wanted to make sure that they had all of the cap flexibility that they needed in terms of moving forward next year. What if they wanted to acquire a player that had a contract for next year? Once you register a deal for next year, it, it, uh, it, it eats up part of your tagging space. And so that increased on March 1st uh, for everyone around the league and gave the Bruins increased flexibility and, you know, had a sense already that this deal was, was pretty close to done. Yeah. So good deal for both sides. He'll be happy stays in Boston. They oh, get him in a, 90 a million bucks. Like, come on. Are you kidding yeah. me? Nothing wrong with that. It's going to uh, end up also... as a 125 or 130 some million dollar player when it's all said and done. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Oh Yeah. And at his age, he could easily sign another contract. Uh, he's, um, he's signed. He's made forty-one and change already. He's still got a couple million bucks or a million and a half to go this season. So that'll be forty-three million plus ninety. And at eight years, I, I'm trying to think how many players are extended through the twenty thirty-one season. I would imagine not many. No, I don't. Uh, I don't think so at all. Now, they also acquired Tyler Bertuzzi for a first and 24 and a fourth and 25, and that's tied directly to the uh, Taylor Hall leg injury. Um, I think there was also a potential injury for Nick Foligno as well. Yep. Uh, yep. So I think they're, they had some increased flexibility today. And like I cannot express enough how much I love the Tyler Bertuzzi addition to that group because he's Brad Marchand light. He's a pain in the arse to play against. He's skilled. He's a, you know, a guy that just is in your face and he's, he's good. 30 goals last year, 62 points in 68 games. Like he's, he's got an edge to him. He's got some bite. And I just think this Bruins team, if you look at the way Olmark has played, like look at what he did in Calgary, he's not just leading uh, the league in the triple crown race goals against average save percentage and wins, but he's also leading now all goalies and goals this season, which is pretty impressive as well. He's also, according to sport logic, Frank, uh, number one in saves above expected. So, you know, it's not like you can just say, Oh, he's just getting great defense, not getting challenged uh, when he is getting uh, exposed or when the defense gets exposed, he's bailing them out. So he is, he's being, he, to me, Frank, honestly, the Vesna and the Hart are the easiest are votes in a long time. So with their next point, the Bruins are going to eclipse 100 for the season, and they will have, you know, 20 or 21 games left after that. That is, that's mind-blowing. They're back on a heater again. They've won eight in a row. 
look, when you get goaltending like that, it makes life a lot easier, but that team has been cooking all season long. They have a legit chance to set the record and, and get to 63 wins. They're on pace for it. So 63 um, wins and also the points record as well. Yeah. 132 so. is the record, I believe. Pretty, uh, pretty solid stuff. So the, uh, the Bruins, I would assume Frank, uh, they're done now with the addition of Tyler Bertuzzi. You don't expect anything else. I think the Pasternak extension is an indication. In fact, that they're done. Okay. The Toronto Maple Leafs staying in the Atlantic. Um, last night, uh, loss in Edmonton wasn't their best game by any stretch. Edmonton really kind of controlled that game. Toronto's already made six new acquisitions. Now, Gustafson and Shen, neither one was in the lineup last night. Shen joined them in Edmonton, didn't get in time to play. Uh, Gustafson's joined them in Calgary. Um, they've still got some room, Frank, although Miller, uh, they're going to get, um, their goaltending situation sorted out by the sounds of it from their GM and, and Murray coming on, but, do you expect another small tweak? Are they done or do they have too many defensemen and might move one out? I, I think they have too many defensemen. I don't think they're quite done yet. Um, with the cap space that they do have, even after activating Murray, thanks to uh, the Engvall deal, they need to reserve some of it to sign Matt Nyes uh, when his season is done at the University of Minnesota. Kyle Dubas was actually in Minnesota last weekend to watch Nyes up close and personal. And the reason for that is just to get a real good sense of, do I need to save cap space for this guy or not? Or are we signing him to a contract for next season that um, he was apparently lights out. So nice was really good last weekend. Uh, I'd expect them to sign him. So whatever they have left over, um, I think with nine bona fide NHL defensemen, that's too many. Look, I think what what happens is you end up making some of the guys angry that you traded for. You know, if you trade for Luke Shen and he's sitting out as I'm not saying he is, but someone has to be, uh, you know, you're putting, you know, a bunch of people in the press box three every night. I think that just becomes an, an onerous situation to manage. hundred uh, percent. I've talked to so many coaches. They say one of the biggest challenges is when you have, Guys who are good, who should be good, and they're healthy scratch all the time, it does become an issue. They're competitive people. They want to play. And I think that's it's a it's a valid point to look and say, you know, you, you move one out for a pick or something. So the Leafs have changed out 30% of their roster in the last two weeks. It's an amazing number to think about. And I I think this team is a whole heck of a lot better than it was. And I think it's really impressive that they were willing to admit publicly that what they had assembled, they didn't think was good enough. Don't go into the playoffs too proud saying we've built this team. We're sticking to our guns, you know, doubling and tripling down on it, make changes. And they did in significant ways and traded players from their roster. They got some players that are rentals, a nice blend of both O'Reilly and then also McCabe and Lafferty. And, and then Shen is a rental. And, and Gustafson, I think, is a little bit unheralded in the sense that he gives you another threat on the power play. Um, you know, Lafferty improves your penalty kill, leading the league in shorthanded goals. Uh, it, I like just about everything that they've done. And I think the cherry on top was getting a first-round pick back from Washington for Rasmus Sandin, because we just talked about the log jam on D. Before healthy scratching Rasmus Sandin in the playoffs and broadcasting to the rest of the league that you don't think he's that good, 
they got a first round pick for it. Yeah. Um, the other thing about the, the Leafs, I know there's no extension for Kyle Dubas. He's made a lot of trade. I, I agree with you, Frank. I think he's done everything now. To me, if the Leafs don't win against Tampa, and that's going to be a great series, you know, they could win. It's kind of a coin flip, really, going in. They'll have home ice advantage, maybe. That even if they lose, I'm not, like, firing the GM, I'd be like, man, at some point, don't the players have to win a series if, well, if you're I, constantly giving them players? I think that's actually what this these moves at the deadline have done. Not to say that, I don't think Kyle Dubas managed this deadline at all wondering or worrying about his contract situation, because let's be honest. The truth is this. If the Leafs are to depart or part ways with Kyle Dubas, he's going to get a job in 13 seconds. You will see an NHL team fire their GM to get him. That's a fact, like stone cold fact. So to think that he's sitting there worried about what might happen, I think is, is crazy to think about. But what I do think these moves have done is it's taken all the heat off of him in the sense that we've assembled the best team possible. If we don't win, it's because the players didn't get it done, not based on management leaving stones unturned. And if you go out that way, if you're Kyle Dubas, I think you hold your head high. Now we move to Tampa. Uh, Interesting trade yesterday. They got Mickey Esamon. They got a salary dump for Nemestikov and didn't have to give up anything for it. Like I'm still perplexed by that trade from a San Jose perspective. It's a great move for Tampa. It is, uh, makes sense for Tampa. Um, I think with the additional cap space that they created too, uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Tampa grab another player today. Um, they have approximately 1.3 million in space. I'd be shocked. Like they're, they're a team that manages their cap down to the penny you know, we've had some months or days that the, the bolts have been within 3000 bucks or $46. Like that's how keyed in they are to doing it. And with $1.3 million in space thereabouts, you can add a player that's 2.6 from somewhere else if he's chopped in half. And you could basically add a $5.2 million player if you run him through a third party broker. So the problem for the lightning is their lack of assets. You know, they, mm-hmm. they don't have first round picks. They don't really have a lot of second round picks. Their penalty, their, uh, their prospect pipeline is pretty thin. So they're going to have to get creative. Well, there's been no shortage of creativity for them. And you know what, man, they got manhandled by Florida. So I, I think the SEMA, I really think the one weakness I saw in Tampa Bay was I, I don't think they have a ton of speed in their bottom six. And so uh, getting him will add a little bit of juice in their in their bottom six. They got a lot of veteran guys, but they need a little bit more speed, especially against Toronto's bottom six. And so, you know what, that's going to be a great counterpunch matchup. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. The uh, The Buffalo Sabres are uh, hovering right around the uh, the playoffs Frank, and they haven't done anything. Are you expecting them to do anything? No. Um, Look, I think they kept tabs on the price of Jacob Chikrin. Uh, I think they've kept tabs on a lot of things. But I I just, they're rolling with what they've got. They're not giving up futures, even with the two extra second round picks that they have. You know, I could see them maybe in a lowercase play, taking a run at, you know, one of the the lower price rentals, depending on how late this goes. But I don't like I don't see them really reshaping things right now. I think they're going to roll with what they have. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I but it wouldn't surprise me. You're right. Like a mid round pick just to give a little juice to your team. Like, hey, 
we're uh, we're going to add you something. Just don't do what Steve Tambellini did and add Jared Smithson. Um, when the orders way back were trying to make a run, to me that was a pointless add. It almost was a detriment to your team. So if you're going to add anybody, add somebody you think can truly help your team. Uh, one team, and it was funny, Frank, how quickly things change in literally uh, the span of a few days. The uh, Detroit Red Wings and uh, and Ottawa. We'll get to them in a sec. But the Florida Panthers have played more games. They're still hovering. Uh, right around there they they got 20 games remaining i gotta think like they've already pushed their chips i i can't because there's lots of people saying radko gudas trade radko gudas lots of people would be interested and i agree it just doesn't make sense to me look they're pretty far down the eastern conference in points percentage um you know when you when you look at it through that prism they're 11th in the east Detroit and Ottawa are actually one points percentage point ahead of them. So not only is it too much ground to, to catch up, it's also too many teams to hop over to think that all of those teams are going to fall off and you're going to be the team that pushes through. We just don't have any evidence of that this year with the way Florida's played. So I think the Panthers, given all the pieces that have moved, I think they are a sneaky sell team in that someone calls them in the next, you know, 24 hours and knocks their socks off for Sam Reinhardt or Sam Bennett or Anthony Duclair, and they have to move on because they have to get some pick capital back at some point. Yeah, they're a fascinating one to me. I look like, obviously, they played the Predators tonight, but then they got that huge game. Like, I'm sure in an ideal world, they'd wish the Pittsburgh game was tonight. Right, you win that game. It's you, I, you know, can't you, base your deadline on one game. No, I'm probably, sorry, but they spanked Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? This, this week earlier, that's probably the one the that same, gives them juice. Oh, Jay. So okay, I I understand what you're saying, and I'm sure that somewhere in the back of someone's mind, somewhere in that organization, they're looking at this and saying the same thing you are. But this brings me back to the same thing that everyone says. Well, if they lose this game tonight, the coach is going to get fired. If you've come to that point, you've already made your decision. Please move on. Yeah. Well, I think they're all in for it. I think here's the rationale. If I would pretend I was a bird on or a fly in the wall, I think they say, guys, we haven't had Duclair, Reinhardt, Bark. We haven't had our guys in all the time. For 20 games, we can get red hot. We led the league in points last year. We can go 15 and five. I honestly think that's what they believe in their organization. I don't, I don't, I, Look, they've hung on to this point. They have to move forward this summer. Yep. So whether you do it now or you do it this summer, if someone's going to pay a premium to do it now, do it now. Do you think it happens, though? I think there's a 50-50 shot. Flip a coin. All right. The uh, Ottawa Senators physically manhandled Detroit and then beat them up on the scoreboard as well, dominating them in back-to-back games. And then they went out and they added Jacob Chikrin. Do you think the Senators now, you look at the, you know, I know points percentage, they're they're slightly ahead of Florida. They got two games in hand uh, on Florida. You look at the, now they don't, they don't have any games in hand on anybody else other than, uh, I think they got one, yeah, none of the, nobody else they're chasing. So do they have enough, do you think? And uh, if they don't make it, I think they've they've made their move already. Do you see a small move coming here in the next uh, 24, whatever that is, 30 hours? I do not. I don't even think that their motivation to get Chikrin was really anything connected to trying to get into the playoffs this year. If that happens, great. 
a bonus. And of course they'd love to sell that idea of being in the thick of the playoff chase. Uh, look, they've played better of late. So I guess it's a possibility. I never say never, but this was about getting the player. This was about yeah. trading for Jacob Chikrin because you're going to have him for a while and he's 24 and he fits your age scheme and he's got term and all those things. I just absolutely love that they smoked out this market and were waiting there with the bag to nab Chikrin. Like Bill Armstrong, the GM of the Arizona Coyotes, he buckled like my will driving past a fast food restaurant. Really, like his price was so insanely high and so high for so long that he had no choice but to back himself into a corner and make this deal now because he, there's no way you could put it back together again. I've been saying this for two or three weeks and no one believed me that, oh, we'll just keep him past the deadline. There was no chance that was happening. None. No, you couldn't walk that back. You could. He's been sitting out for three weeks. He'd already asked for a trade multiple times. It would have been terrible for the team. Plus his value drops even more. I commend the Jacob Chikrin and his camp for not raising holy hell because that's what I would have done the longer this had gone on. They displayed an insane amount of patience and goodwill soldiering through what, what has been an absolute shit show. One GM, Frank, told me once, the uh, squeaky wheel gets greased. So usually if, if you want to get traded and you make a fuss enough, you'll get your, your, tra your trade. And that, guess up. what? That was going to happen, I bet, as you got down to the last 24 hours. I don't know that for certain, but I, I guess you would have started hearing a lot more because they could not go through. the to, to bring him back in March after sitting as a healthy scratch for three weeks, like after all these other teams traded for pieces, after Boston made their move for defense and then LA did like how many teams were actually still left in the market? Not many, not yeah, that Edmonton, many. Edmonton and went out and got Eck home because well, yeah. Arizona didn't want to retain salary. And that was the problem or, or even take back any salary. That was Edmonton. so just bringing it back to chicken and we'll talk more about the coyotes when we get to their division. But when the Oilers traded Pugliarvi to Carolina, I thought that was the signal that they were getting Chikrin because I knew that Arizona deep in their talks weren't willing to take on a contract. And I was like, well, if they're moving that contract, that means they're getting ready to do a deal with Arizona. And I was surprised that they ended up pivoting to Ekholm. Yeah. I, I can make an argument that Ekholm, the style of defender he is might be a better fit uh, for Edmonton. So we'll see now um, staying there. The Detroit Red Wings, you know, I don't think two bad losses. Maybe, Frank, that was just the, okay, let's not do it. But uh, after those two tough losses, Veronica gets traded to Vancouver. And to me, that signaled for sure now that Bertuzzi was going to yeah. go. And then he went to Boston uh, today. Wow. What do you make of the Veronic deal between the Wings and the Canucks? Well, I was really curious about the question. I was really curious, excuse me, about the timing of it for Detroit. I know they had a disastrous weekend, and perhaps that told us more than we've realized uh, to Steve Eiserman. But they got a major piece of business done with the Dylan Larkin extension that I think gave them some certainty that what they're doing on their rebuild, it's not going to totally come unglued. You know, meaning you move a UFA in Bertuzzi who contract talks weren't going anywhere. You, you got Wallman re-signed who you felt obviously was an important piece at three times 3.4 million. 
The heroic one was a surprise because he was, his name wasn't out there. And it's not because Steve Eiserman is a vault. It's because I checked in with five other GMs on Wednesday after the trade and none of them knew they were all asking me, did you know that Philip Ronick was out there? And I no idea. This seems to me, and I, I have no proof. It seems to me like this was a call that was, or a trade that was executed rather quickly and, and as a big surprise to everyone else. So mm-hmm. what's next for Detroit? Jacob Verana, I would imagine is the next guy up because there's been some interest. Okay, we'll watch for Verona here in the next uh, little bit, and that uh, leads us lastly in the uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. Frank, uh, I would assume they'd love to move some guys if they could. Yep, sneaky seller. Uh, I think no team has had more bad luck when it comes to injury. Like, look, a lot of teams have been decimated by injuries this year. I just mean Montreal in terms of really trying to get something for their players. Obviously, Drouin has had his fair share of injuries. The one that's the killer is Sean Monahan. The yeah. way he started this season with 17 points in 25 games, uh, you look at the price that teams have paid for centers, like they could have gotten a haul for Sean Monahan, and now they'll be lucky to trade him at all, uh, given how long he's been out. And that's a shame because they acquired him. And they look, at the end of the day, whatever happens, it's a good deal for them still. They got a first-round pick to take on his contract. But it could have been so much better um, based on the bad luck that he's had. And the other guy is Joel Edmondson. Look, teams are interested and really like Joel Edmondson. The problem is his back. And uh, again, I had one team refer to his back as a ticking time bomb. Uh, I, I don't think they can move him. But with the year that he has left on his deal as term, but I, we'll see. They're, they're going to... I wouldn't be surprised to see the Montreal Canadiens be pretty creative in these next 24 hours just to try and bring in as many assets as they can. Yeah, Jonathan Joanne, I think, has some value for sure. So he, he's the one name. And uh, you mentioned Monaghan. Gary Bettman did send out the memo that, you know, teams that are acquiring players on LTIR, although you still have to get them on the active roster. So you have to have the cap space for a day and then you slide them off. So um, so if they're going to acquire those but, type of guys, we yeah. already saw Nyquist uh, get dealt. So so Monahan would be in that same category. You'd have to yep. be really confident that you can get Sean Monahan to play a game. And the the other problem is his contract. It's six and change. Yeah, you got to move a lot in order to fit him in, and it just to do it for a late round guess on his health, it may be really hard to accomplish. Now let's go to the uh, Central Division. We'll go East West East West. The Dallas Stars, Frank. The Central is still wide open, man. Dallas seventy seven, Mini seventy four, Colorado's at seventy three with games in hand, and then uh, Winnipeg's falling. They're uh, at seventy two. But uh, so there's lots of potential here. We've seen Eller. Let's start in Dallas. What do you make of the Stars, and what are you hearing? What do you think they're going to do? I think they've done the bulk of their shopping. Like I. I... I wrote a story last week as part of our deadline countdown series saying, when you look at this team and the way that they're structured, they have a, their fundamental flaws, their lack of depth. And they're asking a lot from some young players in Johnston and, and Delandria. And they're still asking a lot from their, their older guys, you know, Ben and Sagan that just aren't performing up to the level that we're, we used to when they signed the contract. And so Ben He's been a lot better this year. He's turned back the clock a bit. 
but still not anywhere near a nine and change million dollar cap hit. So they've got one of the best lines in hockey and then their scoring really sloughs off after that. And so that's problematic for the stars. They also have a lack of cap space and they have, you know, a lot committed to next year. So they're, uh, they're down to just 550,000 bucks. It's going to be very difficult for them to make a move. If they're going to try, they'd have to try and get someone to take Anton Hudobin, uh, who's 2.2 on their cap. Uh, they'd have to move a bunch of pieces around to do something else. So I would say for the most part, I wrote a story. I used some, if you hear me make these references, I used some grocery store references to, to try and, uh, equate where every team is at in the West in my story. And the stars to me are pretty close to the checkout lane. And the question is, are they going to have an impulse buy like one of those magazines or little candies on the shelf? Yeah, Frank loves line. the star magazines. Anybody doesn't know that oh. Frank loves just standing there and reading all the gossip. It's their fave. Look, that's how it's I've not- gotten here. I know it's not, I'm all into the gossip. Now what's interesting, Frank, is the team in second place in the central right now. They got the most. Oh, wait, I should add one more thing on the stars. They were interested in Kevin Hayes. I don't know if they still are. And I don't foresee a path in which they can make it work unless the flyers are taking on a contract, which they would do. They're, they're willing to retain, but even at four and a half for Kevin Hayes for three more years, it's going to, I just, it's hard to fit it in. I don't see it. The Minnesota wild. They, the fact that they're in second bit, Bill Garrett, you know, their coaching staff, they should get a huge, the players, they, they've been playing short staffed with the dead cap space. The fact that, and then you add in, they've always had six, seven extra mil in cap space. They retained on money earlier this year, twice to get fifth round picks. I look at their cap space and I, I think it's still like seven and a half mil. Like they got a lot of cap space, Frank, if they want, um, they're in second place. They're playing really well. Do you think Bill Guerin says, okay, I, I don't want to waste this space. Let's add. I I don't. Um, look, anything's possible, but they are not nearly as active in these last 48 hours as they were to start the week. They added Johansson. They took a bet, a gamble on Nyquist, a, a worthy one to make, provided that he's pretty confident he can play in the last week of the regular season. And you basically added him for nothing, a fifth-round pick, and Columbus retained half, really no risk on Gustav Nyquist. So that makes sense. And, and when he's playing, he's still, you know, in the neighborhood of a 50-point player. And, and they knew what they were getting in Johansson. I think for the most part, the Minnesota Wild are done. And the $7 million that they have in cap space, unfortunately, you can't take it with you. It would be amazing if there was uh, – you can exceed the cap in, in performance bonuses and it rolls over to next year. It'd be amazing that whatever you save a portion of it could roll over to next year. Cause that would have been hugely beneficial for a team like Minnesota. Unfortunately, that's not the case. No. Um, the Colorado avalanche are rolling injuries continue to be their, their nemesis this season. They went out and got Lars Eller, really solid player from Washington. You know, he's won a Stanley cup and you know that Joe Sackick's on record is saying, Hey, we think JT Comfort can be our second line center. Eller now slots in his number three. And then of course there's the wild card of, of the health of Landeskog and potentially when he could return. Do you see Joe Sackick though, taking a swing because his team is like, they're the defending champs. When I, when I look at Breezebois, and they've been there three's like, we're just going to still go. Do you think Colorado, not necessarily trades that many, but do you think that they uh, add another piece here before tomorrow? 
I do. They're still shopping. Um, they have $2.8 million in space. And the Lars Eller acquisition would tell you that the Colorado Avalanche are not having, not planning on having Gabriel Landeskog back until the playoffs because they've spent his money. Yeah. They've of that seven, they only have 2.8 left. They can continue to add. Uh, I think they're looking. I don't know where or for what they filled the center role, as you mentioned, and they've got a whole cast of guys that they can put into that spot. And we'll see. They're gonna they're keep they're gonna keep looking. Jack Johnson and Lars Eller, those were their two ads so far. Winnipeg. God, they're going the wrong direction. Do they need a do they need a do they need a boost? Need some booster cables. I they're looking for a defenseman now. That much I know. I reported that last night. I my big thought on Winnipeg is how big of a swing are they going to take on their defenseman? And the thing with Winnipeg is they know that the trade deadline is where they can make things happen. They really don't sign a lot of free agents because no one really wants to go to Winnipeg. So they have to work the trade market. And they were a team that was all over the Philadelphia Flyers a couple years ago around the time when they were trading Patrick Line for Ivan Provorov. Provorov played in Brandon. Um, the Flyers are open to moving Provorov. I think he is almost exactly what they need. When I look at the Winnipeg Jets back end, they've obviously improved up front and getting, you know, Nino Niederreiter will help getting Pierre-Luc Dubois back from injury and eventually, you know, six to eight weeks from now, Cole Perfetti as well. They're, they're fine up front. But what they're missing on the back end is some grit. You know, Brendan Dillon is kind of the only guy, you know, that really has an edge to him. And they could use someone that's just, you know, just digs and competes and grinds. And I'd love to see an addition like Provorov. I think stylistically that makes sense. Hmm. Okay. That would be a a big swing. They might need it because uh, they're definitely – uh, they're going the wrong direction right now. The National Predators, they've moved a lot. Ekholm's out, Janot's out, Granlin's out. Anyone else? What about Dante Fabro? What's the latest on him? Yeah, I mean, look, they're open to doing it, obviously. I, I don't think they're dying to. Like, they're still going to need bodies. And I just, you know, Fabro's an RFA, not a UFA. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see them move at move him at all, but if someone thinks that he's just going to come cheap, like I, like as a, a last second addition, I don't see it. Yeah. Okay. So the Preds, like, so what about Sissons? Didn't they move on from him? Um, I, I, I think they would. I don't know who's taking on a 29 year old with three more years left that doesn't re- like, he's got elements and intangibles, but doesn't pile up points. Yeah. I think that's those are the exact guys that you get in trouble with when you sign to, to deals like that. That's fair. I like Sissons. I think he's a useful player, but seven years and 20 million bucks. Like I just, I don't know. 
the uh, St. Louis Blues obviously moved some guys out. Then they they picked up Kapanen on uh, waivers. He's got one year left. I'd, I'd heard some rumblings about their defense, Frank. They've obviously got lots of, you know, big money. You got Falk and Krug and Pareko. They're all 6.5 cap hits for, for the next few seasons. That trade, if it's a D-man, to me, it's it smells more like an off-season trade than a trade in the next 30 hours. What do you think? I'm not sold on that. Um, they're trying really hard. They would love to have some increased flexibility on their back end. Look, they would drive Marco Scandella to wherever he needed to get to, if that's what it took to get it done. 3275 for next year as well. That was a mistake signing from the second it happened in the middle of the pandemic. Um, Pareko, there's been some interest. I don't know which teams left could possibly afford him, you know, and want to pay the assets. I wondered about the Red Wings and Pareko yesterday after Heronic trade, but now after the Bertuzzi thing, I, I thought they might just try and pivot. Now after the Bertuzzi trade, it's pretty clear that they're, you know, just trying to sell off, I think. And then Winnipeg is another team that I wondered about Pareko, but here's the thing. Falk, Krug, Pareko, and Letty, their top four, all signed for at least the next three years, all signed with like 23 and a half or 24 million bucks total between the four of them. They all have no trade clauses, full no trade clauses, not like modified ones, like full veto power. And that's yeah. put Doug Armstrong in a bind. Yeah. Well, I think if you, you know, for any of those guys, if you're moving them to a, to a playoff team, at least that might open some uh, eyes. But I know, Frank, and we've talked a lot, lots of veteran guys, the reason they get no move clauses, they don't like disrupting their family in the middle of the season. Lots of guys I, I get it. Move. I just, they're, yeah. they've, they don't give out other things. They don't give out signing bonus, for instance, for the most part. So they have to buckle on some other things. And yeah. that's one of them. Um, one other name to keep an eye on in St. Louis is Thomas Grice. Uh, if teams are looking for goaltending insurance, Grice at one, two, five is eminently available. Nine Oh one save percentage this year. He's been pretty decent, has some playoff experience, 17 games played will be cheap. And the blues are bringing up Joel Hofer next year, two years on a one-way deal. So Hofer is going to be the backup next year or play in tandem with Bennington. No reason not to move on from a 37 year old Grice. Now, moving to the Arizona Coyotes, Frank. Uh, obviously, the Chikrin deal came and went, and you know, I got a first and, and two seconds with a long shot of one of those seconds becoming a first if Ottawa goes on a Cinderella playoff run. They got to make the playoffs to begin with. But um, Bukestad is a, is a player that, uh, you know, I think there's teams that have interest in him. He's, he's dirt cheap, Frank. You, you, you look at, um, you know, what he's at at this stage of the year, money owed and cap hit and everything like that. That's a very tradable player uh, if, if they want. Um, any, anybody else do you go up and down that lineup, you think? Sorry, which name did you mention? Uh, Bugstad. Oh, yeah. Bugstad is, you know, easily available. And I'd be surprised if he doesn't move uh, between now and Friday at 3 p.m. Um, Troy Stetcher is another depth defenseman, uh, you, you know, pending UFA at 125. But where I'm way more interested in with Arizona is what other pieces do they move off of their roster that have term? Like I, I call this wild card week to start. Schmaltz and Kraus are two big reasons why I called it wild card week because you don't know what's coming next. And that's, you know, there's some opportunity there 
I'm just looking to crush the cap space perspective. So their projected cap it is 65. They'd probably, if they trade one of those players, they'd likely have to take a, a contract back just to stay above the floor. I don't know what they've accumulated in floor payments to this point, so maybe not. But they that the floor is going to be interesting if they make one of those moves. I'll say that. What about Nick Keep Rich? He's got that. nine goals, 21 points. He's, an, he's a pending UFA. Think there's any interest? Uh, slight interest. Slight interest, yeah. Yeah, because he's the he's the one guy. And then lastly, the Chicago Blackhawks, Frank. Uh, uh, lots of people are worried about Domi. What do you think? Um, I think he'll end up... Well, uh, let me say this. Before I say I think he'll end up moving, I'll say what the calculus issue for the Blackhawks now is they need warm bodies. They got to finish out this year. They don't want to call up players from the AHL that aren't ready. And frankly, they're going to need players for next year too. And so I, I think there's the possibility that Domi comes back next year, but one thing they may do is trade him now and then just re-sign him in the summer. That's always a possibility. But um, Domi and Athanasio are in the same spot. The Hawks yeah. have one more retained salary transaction left for this season. Uh, so uh, either I'd expect they either use it on one of those players to facilitate a trade or they take back another contract as a third party, excuse me, third party broker. Um, but yeah, they're, they, that's, that's their, like, you look at the lineup that they iced this week. Oof. It's, uh, you've taken McCabe, Lafferty, Kane, and Taves out of the mix. That's a lot to, to take off of that roster. That's, you're asking for a lot from some of those players. And all of that results in some quality losses in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Big help right now. Big help. Uh, let's go to the Metro division where there's a, you know what, there's obviously we know who's in and uh, there's a few teams on the brink, but the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, you know, they added Goss to spare. They added Yesa Pogliarvi. Um, They still got some room if they want. Uh, do you see another tweak coming in Carolina? I think Carolina's mostly done. Uh, I would, they're another team that I would say is in the checkout lane are they intrigued by some sort of last minute addition? Uh, I could actually see them being one of the teams that trades for Max Domi again. Uh, they, I think they actually liked the fit from last year in the playoffs. They've got a little bit of cap space. Um, they knew they weren't going to be using all of it, which is why they you know, got a free bet essentially in Yesa Pugliarvi. Um Shane Gostas Bear was their big ad on defense. I think they got good value for Shane Gosses bear at a third round pick and they're going to, you know, poke around, check around. But I think for the most part, the Canes are done. And uh, New Jersey, obviously the Timo Meyer, that's a huge acquisition for them. Uh, anything else you expect? I don't think so. I don't, doesn't really make a lot of sense for them to be playing in the rental game. Um, their team is playing well. I mean, Dawson Mercer has been on an absolute heater seventh straight game with a goal He's been ridiculously good, and Meyer hasn't even played yet. You you stick Meyer into the lineup, and, and they're going to be in really good shape. And I think you just sort of sit back and watch as everyone else around you has really blown themselves up trading a significant number of futures and, and assets that 
you just sort of like Carolina. Carolina's team was already good. New Jersey's already good. They're threatening Carolina for the division lead. Let Boston and Tampa and, and Toronto, all these other teams, trade away all their futures and just, just enjoy where you go. Yeah. Uh, New York Rangers, they got like $1,600 in cap space. I think they've made uh, all their moves, Frank. I'm not sure. I can't sure even much. buy them a team. De- I can't even buy like three guys a dinner. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? Hey, Kane and Tarasenko, those are two pretty big moves. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, if they get some, they got, um, they got six, six weeks to, uh, to get some continuity in New York, but uh, you know what? They could be dangerous if they get guys slotted in the right spots. Yeah. I look, are the Rangers, this is what Tyler asked me on daily face off live. Are the Rangers, the team to beat? I don't think they defend well enough to, to get that tag, but damn if they're going to be a fun team to watch. Like, Igor Shesterkin and Net can hopefully cover up a lot of those ills defensively, but God, like the, the options, and I'm so excited to watch Kane make his debut at the Garden on Thursday night. I mean, you look at that, Kane, Panarin, the same line. You know, you go Chris Kreider, um, Tarasenko on the top line, Zabanajad, like it's it's amazing. It's amazing that top six. It's star studded. Frank, the New York Islanders, they got Bo Horvat, they got Engvall. Uh they're they're right in uh, the, the playoff mix right now. Um, they do have some cap space uh remaining. Uh, I want to ask about an addition, but do you think there's any chance the Islanders would add and subtract at the same time. And uh, if they get a, enough calls and a decent return, consider it all moving Mayfield. I don't think so. It's, I don't think it's in their nature. Um, and guess what? I don't think they should at this juncture because two things stand out to me. One, Lou Lamorello should send Brian McClellan in Washington a gift basket because they essentially ensured that the Islanders are going to make the playoffs, you know, not insured, but they've given them a really good opportunity with Washington bowing out. That's one less team to worry about. And two, I think back to what an NHL GM told me a few weeks ago when he said, I don't know if they're going to get in, but if the New York Islanders get in, watch out because I think in a playoff series, they're going to be a really difficult team to play against. They've got the goalie and Ilya Sorokin and they've got um, some players that make life difficult on you, and they could be a tough out. They could be one of those teams that surprises. Tom Dundon, the owner of the Hurricanes, said on, on Frankly Speaking last week with me that they equate the playoffs to seven coin flips. And it's random. You don't know. And so I don't think the Islanders are going to be selling. Anybody, uh, any position they're buying forward still? I don't think so. I, I think they're pretty set. Okay. Hmm. It's interesting to me. I, uh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, man, people in Pittsburgh. Oh my goodness. The Granlin trade and people were like, what is Hextall doing? Like, I'm not stunned by that trade, Frank. They've got, they, they went all in with their old guys. I didn't think they were suddenly going to say, well, now we're going to trade off guys. Are you surprised by this move? No, and I'm not nearly as down on it as other people are. Oh, he's a good player. Well, he's a good player, and he he fits. Like, first off, they were able to add and make their team better without giving up a first-round pick. Yeah. So they didn't go crazy on the spend. 
they found a way to wedge him in, which then should push down another player into in their lineup to the bottom six and make that part better as well, which was also another, you know, goal and, 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 uh, objective. And Granlin is a grinder. He he's, he's going to contribute to your team on power play penalty kill and score at even strength. And he scores, he's going to score North of 50 points this year. Like what more do you want from Mikhail Granlin at 5 million bucks for the next two years? Yeah. Yeah. I like him as a player. It, uh, you know, and Pittsburgh, they're staying pat. Hey, we want to be competitive and, and you get another competitive player in. I, I didn't mind that trade at all. I agree with you. They didn't give up a huge amount. And they, I just like that they reshaped their team. Kasperi Kapanen was dragging that team down. Teddy Bluger is a useful, smart player, but he couldn't score into the ocean this season. And Brock McGinn, he was on waivers. Like we're, we're, we're talking about shuffling spare parts. Like people in Pittsburgh are upset about asset management. I, I don't I don't have any issue with this deal, and I think it's been panned. I don't, I don't know why, but again, Granlin on pace for 51 points. Like what what more do you want for a second round pick? Yeah, that's an unreal deal. I get that he's five mil, but he's five mil. He's, he's, he's not going to age poorly. He's never been a, a a super fast player. He he is what he is, and everywhere he's gotten has been based on his motor and work. I don't see that that work rate decreasing. Frank, the Washington Capitals are, are selling off, but they're also, they re-signed uh, Nick Jensen. They want to keep some of their uh, their own players, which makes sense. But to me, Connor Sheary, if I had to put anybody, Connor Sheary, I think, is an obvious guy to get traded. You've got uh, Obey Kubel, who makes a million. You know, he won a cup last year, if people are interested. What about Craig Smith and then Trevor Van Riemsdyk? Um, well, Craig Smith... Look, it's possible that they flip him. I don't think anyone wanted him, which was a big reason why Boston had to include him in the trade. Um, and Craig Smith, by the way, had the be very best years of his career in Nashville under Peter Laviolette. So maybe that's interesting. Maybe they try and mine, mine him to uh, come back and be a really inexpensive player next year. Um, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, I think they've been talking extension He's just a steady guy. Um, they need bodies for next year. And so could you trade him and re-sign him in the summer? Sure. But um, I I think the smart play would be to just hang on to him. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, you, hey, you need some NHL defense. But, like, I think they look and say, you know what? We, we want to be competitive with Ovechkin and Backstrom and Wilson and Oshie, et cetera. They don't want to just uh, go in a rebuild. So I so can see that. Here's the thing. So Carlson is it will hopefully be healthy and back next season. So that's Carlson, Jensen, Sandin. You've got Ferrari and Alexiev as two RFAs, but really only three defensemen signed for next year. If you have any plans of being a competitive team next year, you need to increase that number. And keeping Trevor Van Riemsdyk is an easy way to do so. Philadelphia Flyers. You've mentioned Provorov earlier. Uh, anybody else you think that's uh, on the block and field? Well, James Van Reems, like to me, he seems like an obvious guy. To get yeah, back. super obvious. So from one uh, Van Reems, like to the other, um, it's, I think the Flyers, the, I'd be very surprised if they don't move him between now and, and Friday. Um, 
I think the problem is the number of, of suitors, the number of interested teams have dwindled as they've done other things. And there are some cap considerations because he's at 7 million bucks that it makes it hard to, uh, to, he's just harder than some other guys to move. But the real interest in, in Philly is, is Provorov for one and Hayes too. Um, okay. Hayes has three years left. I mentioned Seven already no. 7.1. They're willing to knock him down to like four and a half or 5 million bucks. And I think Kevin Hayes at that price point is an extremely valuable player. So uh, I think there's something that they could do on that front. I, I just don't know if it's going to materialize between now and Friday. That's the thing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, Jonathan Quick, Frank, you've been uh, talking about Quick and potentially a Vegas connection at all uh, after he was acquired by the LA Kings, which sure adds some juice to the Pacific Division going from uh, LA to essentially Vegas through Columbus. Yeah, look, Vegas has some other things that they're working on, and we'll touch on that when we get to them. But I'm told that that trade couldn't happen until uh, Vegas, which has something else, another iron in the fire. They, they weren't sure that they could do both. And so until they either get that done or don't, uh, the deal that they were talking about with Columbus for quick is on hold. Okay. Now let's get to the uh, Pacific Division, and of course, let's start at the top. We'll go to uh, Vegas. So, two. So it's essentially if they get quick, it's two pieces. Uh, any any uh, insight as to uh, what they're looking at in in step one? I'm sorry, I was sending a text when you asked me. Can you no. repeat that? No I'm problem. Just, I've got 19 things all happening at the same time. You know, some trade talk stuff popping into my phone, and I'm also running on three hours sleep. So. I'm 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 like at a I'm at one of those like barely functioning levels today. All right. No, no, just Vegas. What do you think is step one in that process? It's got to move out some salary. I don't they're not moving out salary. They have five million in space. They're trying to trade for another player first and then have Columbus retain on quick and send quick through another team to then get him at like one point something. But they're Would trying they to send any goalie it. back to Columbus in that deal. No, okay, not to my knowledge. Okay, well, may right. I mean, look, Brassois and Thompson are hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing the injury is uh, for the goaltenders in uh, in Vegas right now. It's kind of crazy to to think about it. But, and uh, and to think of Robin Leonard also being out for the yeah. entire season. We're not even counting that. No, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, the LA Kings, of course, uh, they made their big move. Uh, with Corpus Allo and, and Gavrikov and then shipped out uh, Jonathan Quick. And, and you know, I, I know that there's a lot of the human emotion to that one, Frank. And, and if I look at uh, at L.A. here now, the, the rest of the way, you still see them trying to add another piece. They got a little bit of cap space left. I don't. Um, I, I think they've done a lot of their shopping already, right? Like that was a pretty significant trade. Oh yeah. No, I agree. I just, teams are always, you see some of those, you know, late day, there's like a fourth rounder for a, for a depth forward seems to happen. Maybe. I just, here's the thing that I keep coming back to is like how many of those guys left do teams really find to be difference makers? Like you're, you're improving on the margins, but I don't think um, there's been, I don't think there's been a ton of interest in those guys. I really don't like and that, just for the teams that I've talked to. They're like, you cannot believe the lack of calls I'm getting on this guy. And it's like, well, I kind of like I do, but I don't know. 
what, what happens on Friday? Do the, does the phone start ringing? Do people get desperate just to, you know, show their fan base and to say in their, you know, post deadline press conference that they did something? Maybe. The uh, Edmonton Oilers, of course, they made their big move with Ekholm. Barry goes out and, and a first. Uh, Poliarvi to Carolina to free up some cap space. Uh, they got some room left. Um, I know that they've been wanting a right wing forward for a while. Um, you know, Bugstad, and that goes back six, seven weeks. I wrote about Bugstad, and part of it, if there was ever a chickering deal, I thought Bugstad was going to be part of it. He fits a lot of the boxes that they want. He's dirt cheap. But the wild card, Frank, here, and it happened again last night, is Kyler Yamamoto. He got mm-hmm. hit by Hall, and uh, it looked like it was the concussion spotters that took him out of that game. Uh, Jay Woodcroft wouldn't confirm it was or not, but he's had body issues, I'm going to call it, um, new, twice already this year that's kept him out for a month at each time. He's a 3.1 cap hit, and if indeed he, uh, you know, there's concerns about his health, potentially LTIR, well, that would open up significant space for Edmonton to make an addition to try to replace him. Well, first off, um, I think the Edmonton Oilers were in the market to add before that injury. Um, they had the cap space a bit, 1.3 million. And you're right. If, if Yamamoto is out for a bit, that gives even more space. And given that he missed a month, I think Twice. the best, yeah, the, the most recent one though, which sort of gave Pulley his like eighth, ninth and 10th life in the Oilers lineup. Um, the, the most recent one was kind of due to like whiplash symptoms. Like he's, he hasn't been feeling quite right. And I, I still don't think even as he's been playing, like he doesn't have a concussion, but like, it's just, you, you call it body issues. Like something's just off. And mm-hmm. so now sitting out, uh, I, you know, I, take time to get yourself right. Like you don't like no one need, like you're not, he's not effective right now because he's not right. Yeah. And I think that's, really problematic for both player and team. Like you want to get a, a guy in there that you think can help you, but if he's not a hundred percent, he's not helping you. And no, so and, that- the other, and the other thing, Frank, with Yamamoto is his size. I talked to him about like his size. He gets hit in the head inadvertently almost every game. Right. And when you've got neck injuries because of it, you got to strengthen that you're just going to keep reoccurring it and re aggravating it. And, you know, may, maybe six weeks off, will be enough because he's already sat out a month twice. And uh, I know the first one was kind of concussion related. The second one wasn't, as you said, you know, whiplash neck, just, you know, I know similar, similar issue to what Sidney Crosby had when he was out for all those years, right. Where they turned out to be more neck related than actually concussion related. And, and that's a concern. And last night, I don't know if you saw the hit or not for, from Hall, you know, kind of a, I don't know, a blindside hit, not necessarily like it wasn't dirty, but you could say borderline cheap. And then Nugent Hopkins turning into Rocky, uh, in that in that fight afterwards, that's what his teammates were chanting when he came in the room. It was pretty funny. But uh, I think this really, we talked about they had some caps. Do you think like they would have a lot? Think, after Nudes dropped the gloves, do you think bagged milk like he just had an explosion or what? Did the bag oh. explode on the milk? Dude, he would have been like Randy in South Park. You kidding me? Like that's exactly oh. what it was. So, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was amazing. But seriously, the building goes crazy. Nugent Hopkins doesn't fight very often, but you know what I liked about the fight? If you watch it, he's a smart guy and he's like, I'm not wrecking my hand. He's throwing uppercuts and he landed a bomb. And with guys wearing visors, uppercuts is such a much smarter punch to throw. I agree. So getting back to trades, I do think the Oilers are going to be active and I think they could make one, maybe two trades. Yeah, I'd agree. Seattle. Get get, get someone that has a different, get someone that's different, some edge. A different element. 
Yeah, well, they got a lot of it. I'll, you know, and they don't even have Kane right now. And when he comes back from the rib injury, that's going to add more. Uh, Seattle Kraken, Ron Francis said, I'm not doing much. And I kind of believe him, Frank. I, I don't think it's a, a, ma- a massive smoke screen. Do you? Well, first off, like, full respect to Ron Francis, not to say he's a liar or anything, but, like, he doesn't tell you what he's going to do. Um, yeah, that's fair. There's maybe no more secretive GM in the league outside of Lou Lamorello in terms of what he's going to tell you. Um, so here's what I'll say about the Kraken is there. I don't foresee them buying. I think they could be one of those teams that could be a buyer seller, the old Seinfeld Vandalay industries, the importer exporter of latex goods. Like they they're in a pretty firm playoff spot. Not to say they've got a stone cold mortal lock on it. And they they've got with the way market prices have have gone up and up, like they're so intrigued of like, what can we get for Carson Susie? Is it a first plus plus? Is it a first? Like they'd have to consider it at that point for Susie, who is a pending UFA. I think that's like one of those reasons why they've kind of not, not that they've beefed up their blue line, but they already traded for an extra defenseman in Jacob yeah. Magna before the, the deadline started. So Susie is one. Uh, I think there's been some interest in Will Borgen, an RFA that's uh, one more year away from free agency. He's going to be due a pretty significant raise. Uh, they traded Jeremy Lozon in that same spot last year, and he signed that four-year $2 million deal in Nashville. And then the other guy that's whose name has been out there in recent days has been Morgan Geeky. He had a two-goal game this week. Uh, that puts him at 20 points in 50 games. Again, not a needle mover per se, a space needle mover, if you will. Uh, but I say all that to say that Seattle may be more active on the selling front than people might imagine. If somebody offers you a first for Susie, you are running, running. To make that deal, my I wouldn't be surprised to see someone do it. Okay. What about the Calgary Flames, man? They, to me, might be the most intriguing team because if you look at the NHL standings right now today, the Flames are five points back of both Winnipeg and Seattle for the two wildcard spots. Uh, they don't. They have no games in hand on Winnipeg, and Seattle actually has a game in hand on the Flames. Uh, Brad Trillian's contract's done at the end of the year, Frank. Well, what do you expect the Flames to do here? Anything? Um, no, I think the flames are going to be, I think they're the most boring team right now. I don't think they've been involved in a heck of a lot. I don't think they're going to be a big buyer. I framed it in my story today as their top objective is to basically be the last dog at the dog bowl. And when I say that, it's like, get whatever you can that's left, find a way to improve this team on the margins, maybe give them a better shot to get in the playoffs without spending. I think, you know, I've mentioned this multiple times. I did it on barn burner earlier in the week because they were saying, there's no way this team should be buying. And I said, this is the type of trade I'd envision that Brad tree living pulls off is two fifty PM Eastern time on Friday. The Columbus blue jackets still had Max Domi last year. They traded him for nothing, basically nothing, but they got like they, the Carolina Hurricanes got a player that scored them a playoff game-winning goal. So 
that's the type of deal that I'd, en- I'd envision the Flames to be in on. I-, I don't think they've been too tempted to sell. I think everyone's been asking that question. I don't think anything's come down the pike to this point that's really even made them think. And so I, I think they're kind of just a – they recognize where they're at. Um, they've got a lot of ground to make up, and they're just not getting the goaltending, and they're not playing any better to even warrant spending big. Vancouver made their move with Ronick. They don't really have any UFAs. I don't see a lot of tradable pieces left other than Brock Besser. But that's a pretty big ticket to move at this time of year. Do you think he gets dealt before tomorrow? Um, I'm trying to think of what I would handicap it at. I would say like 40, 60, no. Or 60, 40, no. Yeah, that'd be fair. So 40% chance to get traded. Yeah, look, I they're trying. But I again, let's go back to the equation of how many teams are actually looking for players. And it's like maybe like seven or eight teams. If you're lucky, maybe nine. And so then try and do the math of fitting in at least five and a half million bucks of Brock Besser it's hard to do. Like there's not going to be any third party retained transaction. They're going to, they're willing. I think they don't want to, but they're willing to consider retaining a little bit of it, a million bucks. Maybe I don't, I just, it's hard to pull off. And JT Miller, look, enough teams have talked about him internally. I think it's one that waits until the summer, but Vancouver is on a quest to to grab as many players 25 and under that they can impact guys. And they got one yesterday in Aronic and I, and I'm way higher on that trade than anyone else is in the market. And I think part of the issue is this fan base wants to do it one way. And the Canucks are, they've been consistent. They've told you they're not rebuilding. They want, players 25 and under they want to retool and so hero like they went out and got a player that is exactly what they've been broadcasting that they would do and so if you are upset with that in that market you are just believing what you want to believe i'm not saying they're they're right or wrong i'm just in their approach all i'm saying is they've said they're going to do one thing and they've done it so when you look at heronic and chikrin I don't think there's a big drop-off in impact on the game. They're different players. Heronic is a facilitator at the blue line instead of a shooter like Chikrin. But Heronic is a better defender. And so I think Vancouver, if that is what their mission and mandate is, is to go out and get these players, well, they got one on Thursday or, or Wednesday. Um, Will they be able to create flexibility between now and Friday cap wise for a team that's right at, or maybe over the cap for next season already? That's their big goal and top objective. Uh, I I'm just going to say this for Ottawa. I actually think Chickren's, I think he's going to be good for them. I don't think he's a terrible defender. Like I think you watch Chickren. I think he's going to add a little element to their blue line. Just, just saying that I like both. I like both of them. They're you're right. They're different, but I think Chickren's physical element is something that's uh Welcome. Now, the San Jose Sharks, Frank, we talked about the Nemestikov deal earlier, and it looks like uh, Tampa Bay did retain uh, half the salary in, in that transaction. So uh, according to Cap Friendly. So um, 
it wasn't just a, a straight across uh, here you take it all. So they gave him Essimont and then basically um, Tampa Bay uh, retained half on um, Nemestikov. So you look at the Sharks now. They've got Nick Bonino. You got Nemestikov at 1.25. Uh, Andreas Johnson at 3.4. I think that's really hard uh, to move. There's James Reimer. Uh, I think Mike Greer is going to try to get whatever he can. And that, that might be the ideal, as you mentioned, Frank, the, uh, the last dog at the trough where teams will just try to wait him out and see if they can get some of those guys for as less as possible. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple other guys to watch. Noah Greger is one. Mario Ferraro is another. They'd love to move Kevin LeBanc's contract if they can. Uh, San Jose is a wild card. I don't, I don't quite have a real line of thought on what they're thinking, especially the Nemestikov deal. Maybe they flip him, maybe not. I don't know what he'd be worth. You know, last year, even at full boat, still only got a fourth. We'll see. And lastly, the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I, I think if Adam Henrique was 100% healthy, uh, you know, there may be a good chance uh, for yep. him to move. And maybe if they find out what the health return is, maybe a team still considers it if the Ducks are yeah. going to retain. What do you hear? Do you think they would retain on him? And, um, you know, like Derek Grant, uh, somebody like that potentially uh, could move. And what about Klingberg? Like, I know Klingberg's had an awful year. Frank, I don't question that, but I look, I, I calculated the numbers. If a team acquired John Klingberg, let's say you got a third party team involved, they would only have to pay him 397K in money. And that's about a third, right? And I don't think his value over, like if, if it's a second and a third to get Klingberg. There's no way they're getting a second. I Well, okay. not a second and a third. Like, I don't know how. Well, no, the you second can... for one team and the thirds for the, uh, the retained salary I, one. I don't know how you could make the argument after what Shane Gosses Bear went for, fair point. That but they John retained Klingberg... the salary, huh? Right, like what Gosses Bear Arizona didn't retain any salary, right? If the Ducks are willing to eat it, maybe that changes it. John Klingberg has had a worse season than Shane Gosses Bear, so you're going to pay a premium to get. I, I don't, I don't see a second and a third coming. Like I think if you're if it if it goes the other way, I, I think a third and a fourth maybe. Yeah, sure, okay. But I would you I do just, it? I wouldn't. See, I think Klingberg is the prime example of a. Here's why, he's had an awful year. I think we all agree. But John Klingberg's a pretty good player in Dallas for a long time. Uh, he goes to a new team. You, you talked about it. You reported, Frank, that you thought he had turned down a long extension. So now you got that in the back of your mind. Like, oh, my goodness, I cost myself a lot of money. So now there's the stress of that I, on it. You're I just think bad... that has totally mind-fucked him. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. So I, what I'm say... saying, I don't know that you ever – you're not getting it back this year, I don't think. I don't. I, I wonder... personally don't think so. Okay, and you could be right. See, I look at it this way. What if John Klingberg will be highly, highly motivated? He gets to a team and he's like, oh my God, this is a new lease on life. I have a good run here. We go in the playoffs. I play well. At least I can salvage something. That's where I think it's at. Well, that's his thought process for sure. But I could also see it going the other way for someone that clearly has had a crisis in confidence of, oh my God, if I don't perform now, I'm never going to get paid. And sometimes yeah. it, it, it just continues to roll downhill. If it's a third and a fourth, and you're a Some, team that's look, someone's going to trade for him. Okay. I don't know what the return is going to be. I don't want to, you know, speak out of turn, but I don't know after that Shane Gossespear deal, I don't know how you could possibly ask for more than that because he, he from start to finish and last season, Gossespear has been a better player. Yeah, no, I agree. The only reason I said it'd be more is because of the retention, right? You got to get something if you're retaining half the salary, don't you? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, it's still a sizable cap hit, right? Like even after the retention, that's yeah, that's it'd be, the problem. Well, it'd be one. It'd be one point seven five through a third party is what his cap it would be for the team acquiring right, him, and then three hundred ninety seven k in actual cash. So that's that's not really like one seven five is not really nothing. No, no, I agree. Plus the assets, like I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's value there, like you said. I don't know. Yeah, he's the one guy to me that I I think he's the ultimate buy low that you could get a good return. It might flame out, so I'm not overpaying. But I just, I don't think your skill erodes that quickly at the age of 30. That's no, I, I don't think it's ever been a skill issue. I, I just think it's a confidence issue. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. And the pressure is great to, to then perform. He's highly motivated, but that same thing exists, right? We got to get to our, let's get to Ty before we wrap up. Uh, Ty, how you doing? You got to turn your mic on, big fella. You're right. I do have to turn my mic on. Uh, you guys were going for so long, an hour. I forgot how to do it. Uh, let's get into Buy or Sell, brought to you by our friends over at Points Bet Canada. Last year at the deadline, we had 30 trades made. I'm going to say on deadline day this year, we don't beat 15. Frank, you buying or selling? I always get caught up in the what constitutes a trade. Like, if you look at some of the, like, are we talking about like the minor league deals that happen at the deadline? Like I'm talking bona fide NHL players. I say we still end up North of 15. Okay. Well, we are going through all the teams now, Frank. There's lots of players out there. I agree. I think there's still going to be 15 guys move between now, the time we are saying this, which is uh, 1130 Eastern on Thursday mm -hmm. and the trade deadline. So that is basically what? Uh, 26 hours. No, no, sorry, 28 hours. Let's go 28. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's good news for me as someone who will be hosting the four hour daily face off live deadline show tomorrow, noon Eastern until four Eastern, commercial free, no geo blocking, nothing like that. You can catch it on the daily no face off YouTube. No gimmicks. Uh, here's kind of, I guess, part two to that question. But with all this activity happening in the last week, should the NHL move up the trade deadline by maybe a week or so? Are you buying or selling that idea, Jason? I like where it's at. I don't, um, if you move it, let's say the trade deadline would have been whatever, February, what's that, 26th? Is it going to, you know, all it means the moves would have happened a bit earlier. I don't, uh, I like it right where it's at. I think it still has enough time for teams to uh, see where they're at, especially if you have competitive playoff races and i think that spurs on more deals so no i like right where it's at frank mm, well it's always been a formula right of games yeah. remaining so i would say i'm fine with where it's at here's what i would do and we can talk about this in march after i've had a chance to sleep <laughs> i've been wondering about the idea of a, an earlier trade like you institute a second trade deadline in like mid-december or early december and then after that, you're not allowed to make any moves from De December 10th all the way until February 15th. And then you have a two-week window from February 15th to March 1st. What's the reasoning behind this? NHL GMs, for the most part, need a deadline to make something happen, <laughs> as evidenced by the trade freeze that happens right before Christmas. And it's worked in other sports. Like soccer has two transfer windows. 
right? And I just think about the idea of trying to spur up more, like you, you get the first, you know, two months of your season out of the way in October, November, and you have a general idea of what you need or what you don't have. So make, make deals then. And then I, I, I know that GMs won't go for it because they're not going to want to miss out on the flexibility of being able to add if you have a major injury in January and you want to pull off a trade. But with LTIR, we, for the most part, teams don't do that anyway because they can't. So I, I, just, I think it'd be interesting to just spur a, a, another action point, another entertainment factor in the game. Fair enough. We'll get into that in March. Yeah, we'll get into that in March. Uh, finally, guys, last one I have for you. Uh, you buying or selling the Senators as a playoff team this year now that they've bolstered their blue line, really the one big hole on their team, bolstered the blue line with Jacob Chicker, and you buying or selling the Sens as a playoff team, Frank? Selling. Five points back at the Penguins right now, same amount of games played. Jay, you buying or selling? Well, here's the thing for the Sens. Nine of their next 13 games, fellas, are on the road. That is uh, that's going to make or break it for for Ottawa, and uh, they're twelve, fourteen, and two right now on the road. Um, does Chickering suddenly make them road warriors? I don't know, man. It's and and they play some tough teams, so I I think the Sens are going to finish with over ninety points, but not make the playoffs. There you go, an abbreviated edition of a buy or sell because you guys talked about quite literally every team in the league in the hour leading up to the segment. Shout out to our friends at Points Bet Canada. That was a good one around the NHL. I like it. Uh, Frank, go have a nap if you can. Uh, no sleep with your phone on. And no uh, we will uh, chat with you uh, after the deadline on Monday. I talked to a GM the other day. He was saying he sleeps with his Apple Watch on. Just in case he doesn't hear his phone, he can actually feel it vibrate on his wrist. Yeah. These are hard yeah. times. These, they are we'll get, we'll get some sleep on, on Saturday. Tough times for the GMs. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarah and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.